Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Everybody and welcome to another weekly episode here at Cloudgate Sports. We've got a jam-packed episode. Baseball is coming down to the wire. There's a lot of news to be talked about. New signings, new proposals, just a whole bunch of stuff. We have a new quarterback in the NFC North while one is leaving. Uh, some things going on with Houston. We had a Bulls and Hawks game this weekend. And of course, PT's Illini taking down the Iowa Hawkeyes. So we're going to get right into it with the Bears. PT, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, boys. So there's kind of been a lot going on in the NFL. Um, nothing specifically with our Bears, but um, we are tied and we were and are tied into a lot of different things too. So definitely keep an eye on things. We'll start off with kind of Houston. Um, obviously news broke that Deshaun Watson requested for a trade. Um, and that was not even a couple weeks ago. Supposedly that was back um, a couple months ago. So that was kind of alarming, too, to kind of see that. Um, and now J.J. Watt is kind of kind of going in the mix, too, about his decision if he's played his last game in Houston, too. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Um, and we'll kind of circle right back to Houston a little bit. But we'll, we'll go right to NFC North and what happened with the Lions. Uh, Matt Stafford was traded away to the Rams. Um, Bleacher Report, I believe, was the one that came out and said that the Bears – and Carolina were the two finalists to kind of be the landing spot for Stafford, and then all of a sudden it came out of nowhere that the Rams um, traded for him. Couple, couple concerning things on this part. So I believe so. The Rams got Stafford a second round pick this year, first next year, and a first in 2023. So the reason why this is concerning, boys, is that Deshaun Watson is probably going to get close to four to five to six first round picks. And unfortunately, the Bears just cannot. I, everyone wants them. Everyone needs them. But the, I do the Bears, that would be the absolute downfall for the Chicago Bears. We don't have – we can't risk that in our point because we need so many different holes to be filled almost everywhere. Yeah, um, it would be nice to have Deshaun Watson. Yeah, A-Rob might stay if we do pick up uh, Watson somehow. But I just don't see it happening. Um, and also with that being said, the Lions got Jared Goff. And uh, can you guys help me out what, what else they got? I think they got a second-round pick this year maybe. Does that sound right or am I, am I crazy? No, the Lions the Lions got Jared Goff, two first-rounders, and a third-rounder. The Rams oh, are the yeah, ones the that Rams, got Ram, That's what I'm talking about, the Rams. The Rams got a second-rounder or something like that? What would you... I think it was a second-rounder in, in Stafford. And then, dude, the Lions got a haul for this trade. Yeah, like, did, for yeah. a full rebuild, that is the perfect trade you need to start with a full rebuild. A whole brand-new coaching staff, brand-new like hierarchy. They pulled in a lot for Matt Stafford on this one. They did. 
Um, and I think we'll just go right to it. I think I, I love it. I'm so happy that I'd rather have Goff than Stafford in, um, as the Lions quarterback, in my opinion. Um, he's still going to be playing um, inside with the Lions. And um, when he comes to Chicago, Green Bay, uh, he's a struggle, I feel like. You know, he, he really hasn't played out of his mind against the Bears, um, which is always a good thing to see as well. Um, so hopefully that works out in our favor because Stafford kind of is, I mean, he's a demon. And um, I just don't see that in golf. Um, and hopefully that works out for the Bears as well. What are you guys' thoughts on that trade? I mean, I'm a huge fan for it, getting Stafford out of the division. Uh, like you said, Jared Goff doesn't play too strong against these NFC North teams. Uh, Pat, you said it best. The Lions did get an absolute haul for Stafford with two first-rounders and a third-rounder. Uh, so looking good for the future for the Lions uh, with this first stepping stone. Uh, also, I think it's interesting, too, that Stafford was very adamant and not going to New England. Uh, I think that... I don't know what the bad blood is there. Maybe he just didn't want to go to the East Coast. Who knows? But uh, Stafford and that Rams team is going to be dangerous. They're going to be very good. Uh, I think Stafford's going to fit in very well with that team. Uh, Jared Goff, bad against NFC North again. Just not going to fit in too well with the Lions. But this is a future move for the Lions. and I think they've made a, got a great haul for it. And uh, it doesn't seem like the Rams like their picks too much. It seems like they're always trading their picks. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I do like the. I think Stafford's going to do well in LA. Yeah, I think the Rams are all in right now. I think they're all in to make a run for the NFC the NFC title. Um, I mean, you've seen this Rams team. Obviously, Jared Goff led them to a Super Bowl a couple years ago. They made a playoff. Uh, sort of made a playoff run this season. They fell short to the Packers. I mean, really, their big question mark was quarterback. Jared Goff wasn't the most consistent quarterback on their in the league. They weren't able to really rely on him, and Matt Stafford's definitely that guy. I mean, like I said, I, I love Matt Stafford, and if he never wins a title, he'll go down in the Hall of Fame as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play without winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, um, He's just an absolute animal, and I think he'll do well. And uh, like I said, the, the Rams have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of good offensive pieces. A very stout defense that's led by Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey. I think they're all in right now, and I think this was a perfect move for the for the Lions fans too. I mean, you have to pay your respect to to Stafford and what he's done for this team, but you kind of have to reset, and they're fully fully hitting the reset button. I think it's the best one they need to make. What they do in the future could potentially hinder the Bears in terms of what the fuck we're gonna do. Yeah. But. Um, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see the trade. I, I like playing Matt Stafford. I think he enjoys playing the Bears. What sucks though is that we're still going to play Matt Stafford next year. So I'm pretty sure we have a game in LA next year. Um, as to why he didn't go to New England, I don't know. Maybe there's some stuff there with Belichick. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's concerned he might not get the starting job. Maybe he just doesn't want to deal with the cold anymore. Man, you live in Detroit. I wouldn't want to go to. I'd much rather go to LA than go to New England. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm excited to watch him play in that new team, that new stadium. But, uh, I mean, I think it's, it, it definitely helps the Bears out a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, PT, I got a question for you. What do you think was, like, the block in the Bears not getting this deal done? I, I think we kind of touched on it before. Is this, It's kind of crazy to think if you're, if you're going to trade. I, I don't think any team wants to trade within their division, um, no matter what they can give them. And the Bears don't have much to give right now, either. Um, so, I think that was a huge kind of play, is the lines are laying on, hey, um, the Bears kind of have a high draft pick in their first round this year. Um, and also, um, you know, it's just, 
why why would you put Stafford in um, in your division to beat you every, every for the next couple of years? You know, so you and the, and you don't want Nick Foles either. Unfortunately, um, hate to say it, uh, but I think those were the kind of the three options that they were looking at, and they just didn't look good enough for them. Moving you, on. Go ahead. Quick go question: on. Do you guys think Jared Goff is their future quarterback, or do you think no. they're going to be looking at a quarterback in the drafts? Uh, I don't think Goff's their future quarterback, uh, unless if they strike gold and Goff mm-hmm. kind of steps into what he potentially could be. Uh, if he plays like he does with L.A., they're going to move on and try and find someone else. 100%. I think it also, when they're looking at their draft board, too, what's available, what they kind of need to fill right now. Um, so I think whatever kind of – my guess is they'll probably go best available. If his quarterback's there, they'll take it. Um, if not, they'll try to improve the other places there as well because they have now a large lump sum of picks. It's gonna they they have they have some good capital to work with, so it'll be interesting to see what they do um, and how they deal with golf. It's definitely gonna you know honestly it could be a Mitch uh, situation as well. You know he's got to come in, he's got to earn his spot. So um, we'll see what happens with it. I mean the Lions do have the number seven pick this year. There is a chance that they go quarterback. Very, and, yeah, very much so. And sure. Goff and the young quarterback could uh, – I mean, this is a good quarterback class to be having a top 10 pick in, especially if you need a quarterback. So I could see the Lions dipping into the quarterback, and if Goff doesn't work out, they might just pull the string early. Yeah, seriously. All right, well, moving on from the Lions, we'll circle back to Houston real quick. Um, kind of touching on uh, Deshaun Watson. I guess I'll just ask you guys this right now. Where do you guys think he's going? Not Chicago, that's for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, if uh, he has to, he has to go to the Jets. Like the that's Jets what I'm have thinking to too. make this trade happen because they already fucked up with losing or beating or coming up coming away with two wins in the season. Shot themselves with fucking getting Trevor Lawrence. They have to make this trade. They have to give an arm and a leg for Deshaun Watson if they want any sort of hope of not being a shitty organization in the NFL for the next ten years. Yeah, I agree. Jets is uh, definitely the number one landing spot. With the Dolphins kind of lingering, I don't know if that'll happen. I see it more towards New York. Uh, But for all the Chicago Bears fans that are listening, the haul that the Lions got for Matthew Stafford, the Texans are probably going to want double that. So I don't think it's going to happen. And Pat Pat was right. They got to give an arm and leg. And unfortunately, the Bears only have a torso and a head right now. We can't (laughs) lose any of those right now. So Yeah, true. It'll be interesting. And then do you guys think that J.J. Watt will be traded? What do you think is going to go on with him, too? I, You know, it's, it's going to be interesting because th- there was a funny picture on Twitter I saw. It was uh, Mr. Incredible driving in this big car. Like, this will be Watt driving to practice every day um, without Deshaun there anymore. So yeah. it's, it's I, I think that, I don't know, with the reports coming out with, like, uh, the new Texans GM saying, oh, we're going to keep Watson, that's a bunch of shit. Uh, they're yeah, not yeah, keeping Watson. Uh, if they do trade Watson, I don't see any reason why they would want to keep J.J. Watt. Uh, he's a very good trade piece for that team. And just like the Lions with stepping in the right direction, uh, trading Stafford, trading Watson and Watt would just absolutely send the Texans over the edge. Uh, Watt would probably get a first round, couple first rounders. How much, do you know how long he has left on his contract? No. He's a UFA in 2022. And he's averaging right now about 16, 16 and a half million. And by the time he's up, he's going to be north of 17 million. Okay. Season. So I would trade him 
if you get rid of Watson, uh, get rid of Watt as well. I mean, just if you're if you're gonna go rebuild, that's like the best two players in football that you could trade. So, I think they should. I think you do have to trade them, especially like it's hard to if you have such turmoil in your front office, especially when you have a new GM saying, "I'm not gonna listen to my star quarterback. We're not gonna trade him." Like, if you're a guy like J.J. Watt who has done so much for that organization as well as the city, and you're just going to blatantly disrespect one of your top guys like that, especially, like, in terms of getting a new head coach and a new GM and your owner doesn't include your two top guys in that process, yeah. it's a giant fuck you to those people. So, um, I think you have to fully rebuild because I feel like there's – everybody hates – all the people that are currently on the Texans, either they hate the new coach, they hate the GM, they hate the owner. You need to really, like – get rid of everybody and start fresh. You get rid of Watson, you get rid of Watt, you get rid of Will Four. Uh, they had Randall Cobb in that team this year too. Like they had a, they had a, they weren't a bad team. They just weren't well coached. They just, the morale was shot early on in the season, but uh, JJ Watt will get a, will bring in a haul as well. I mean, you could be looking at five, any, I'd say four to six first rounders between those two players right there, which is, it's a lot. Like that's a crazy amount of uh, draft stock. So, well, I had to see, man. I just, like, that's what I said when you, when we were talking earlier, earlier in the week about the Watson news, well, it's JJ Watt. Like, as much as we hate being Bears fans right now, it could be way worse. Oh, yeah. And I think another thing interesting to look at too is they've already let go of one of their biggest pieces um, a couple seasons ago with DeAndre Hopkins. It's time to blow it all up. And I think that Watson requesting this trade kind of just makes the decision easier for them. Um, we sent the uh, that that met that uh, that link that saying that they don't they had no interest trading in him in the group chat and it's bullshit. I don't know why you would even say that. It makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you keep someone in an organization that doesn't want to be there? Um, take you got to kind of lick your wounds and kind of move on. Um, and moving on from that situation because it'll definitely be kind of blown up and we'll still be talking about it in the next couple of weeks. Um, the next quarterback on the market, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, there's been there's been some rumors going around that the Bears might be interested, um, and there's also rumors that they he, he might go right back to New England. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I personally would not like you know honestly I'm I'm all in on drafting a quarterback now. We have to um, we have to draft our own quarterback. Hopefully Pace can make up for his mistake on Mitch Trubisky. Um, but I I would be very disappointed to see Jimmy Garoppolo come to the Chicago. Hundred percent. I think that he would be Nick Foles Jr. Uh, I don't think it would end up being good at all for the Bears. I would like to see him go back to New England just because, you know, that would be cool to see him back in a Patriots uh, jersey. But, no, definitely I could. there's more guys on the market that I'd rather have than Jimmy G if we don't draft a quarterback, which I agree with you, PT. I think that's the route that we need to go. Uh, but Jimmy G is one of my last choices to be coming to the Bears. Guys, I don't know if I want to – I will say this. I do not want Jimmy Garoppolo. He's too injury-prone. And if, if we have another quarterback injured, Nick Foles will be right in there. I'm not about it. I don't want Jimmy G. That being said, I don't know if I trust Pace. I don't know if I trust this quarterback draft class for us to be able to get a franchise quarterback at 20. As much as I like Mac Jones, I don't know if he's going to be worth it. I don't know if the kid from North Dakota State is going to be worth it either just because he's an FBS team. Um, so I don't know. If there was, if you if you give me one quarterback that I'd want for just one season, just to tie us over to get rid of Nick Foles and just have one more shit season to maybe get a potentially a better pick in terms of the future quarterback draft class, give me give me Fitzmagic. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he wants out of Miami, especially with the stuff going on with Tua. 
give me fits and I'll I'll lick my wounds for this next season. But Jimmy G is definitely not it, and I'm not entirely sold on a quarterback yet in the draft. Yeah, man, we're in a tough situation right now. Um, but you guys said it right. <laughs> we don't have it the worst right now, so I guess we just kind of have to hold on to that um, and trust and trust and pace. Like, it's that's so hard to say, but um, that hurts to say so much. Um, last thing, Super Bowl this Sunday. Um, we're recording this on Sunday, so one week from today. Uh, what you what do you guys score predictions? We'll just put that in there. Bink, bink. All right. Okay. All right. Now we're gonna be moving on to some baseball. A lot of shit happening. A lot of a lot of interesting things. First off, we all know I'm a huge Jack Peterson fan, and the news that came out made me very upset. But also, I'm very happy to see that he is coming to Chicago. Uh, so, Jack Peter signs a one-year, $7 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, kind of interesting on this move. I kind of like it for the Cubs, though, because I think Jack could be a good trade piece towards the deadline to get something. This is just one of those one-year deals where Jack wants to prove himself and the Cubs want to get something in return for him. So, both sides agree on that. Now, what happened between the White Sox and Jack Peterson? Shortly after the news came out that Jack was going to the Cubs, it was announced that the White Sox had offered Jack a one-year $10 million offer. Now, this was before the White Sox signed Adam Eaton, so he was the he was their first choice to go for, for right field this season. Jack Peterson said no uh, to the $10 million, thinking that he would get more elsewhere. Obviously, that did not happen. The White Sox were his number one offer. But the White Sox already signed Adam Eaton, so there was no need to uh, really get Jack Peterson for the $10 million. Uh, so he ended up going to the Cubs, $7 million, probably was his highest offer on the table besides the White Sox. So nice to see him wearing a Chicago uniform. Isn't the one that I wanted him to be wearing, but that's okay. Happy to see him in Chicago. I know he'll be great for the Cubs. Uh, nice little power bet. Kind of a Schwarber 2.0, but a little bit better fielding-wise. That's one question I want to ask you guys. I'm kind of confused on why the Cubs signed Jock Peterson when they could have signed Kyle Schwarber for $3 million less. Uh, Do you guys see the logic in that or no? No, I I, I was very confused by this move. One, um, I was disappointed to see that he turned down the $10 million from the Sox um, just because he would have played his position um, and right, um, and it just kind of doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if he overpriced, overvalued himself a little bit. Definitely, and that kind of hurts me, and I know it hurts you, Mahoney. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, and all I've heard from my Cubs fans, my buddies, is they don't understand this. He, he, Hayward's gonna be in right, um, left. I don't know what his history is in left. I, I think I, Hayward might actually be going to center, considering they don't really have a center fielder this year. Uh, I know they have Ian Happ, who had a breakout season last year, but. Uh, I don't know. Like you said, it kind of makes the outfield kind of interesting. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do there. Um, and you made another great point. Why Why would you not re-sign Schwarber for three mil? You save some money and maybe spend it somewhere else. Because obviously they have been signing some people here and there kind of sneaky. Um, and it just adds to confusion. What, what are the Cubs doing right now? I have no idea. So this kind of ties into the proposal because a tweet I'm looking at right now just got retweeted by David Kaplan is 
that with this new and I'm not going to completely go into it. We can go into it in a second. Um, with this new proposal for this upcoming season, the offer includes an extended playoffs as well as a DH position across the board. Yeah. So does but then again, like sign Schwarber to be your DH and then sign Jock to be your your outfielder. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely could. Uh, they definitely had the money for it, but uh, I don't know. It looks like the Cubs are just. I honestly think that this deal is just for them to trade him at the deadline to get something for him. I don't see Jack staying the whole year with the Cubs unless if somehow uh, the Cubs make a run for the NL Central, which I don't think is going to happen leading into our next discussion here with Nolan Arenado going to the NL Central, joining the Cardinals. Uh, Kind of a Scott Rowland 2.0 situation here where a third baseman wasn't happy with his uh, team, got traded to the Cardinals, and he had basically a Hall of Fame career. Scott Rowland is still up for the Hall of Fame, and he has got a shot to get in in the future. Uh, His career really took off with the Cardinals. And we can see Nolan Arenado just jump up to a whole nother tier with this Cardinals team. It's kind of cool to see that the top two players in the NL West only a couple years ago is now the corner spots for the Cardinals and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt coming from the uh, Diamondbacks. I mean, shit. This is one of the biggest... I shit my pants when I saw this trade. Uh, This is one of the biggest trades that have happened in baseball in quite a while, I would say. Uh, Especially for the impact that it's going to have on the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals just ran away with the division with this trade. Kind of really putting them over the edge. They also re-signed Adam Wainwright to a one-year deal. He's still looking just as good as he was in his prime. Had a great year last year. Uh, maybe have a couple more years in the tank. I, With this trade, I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of tells the Cubs, hey, might be time to push everything to the table and just blow it up. Uh, Nolan Arenado still has, I want to say, six years left on his deal. He's got two opt-outs, so he could decide to be a free agent. I don't see him doing that only because he's getting paid a lot of money and uh, the Cardinals are a great team and a great organization. And every, everybody that plays for the Cardinals seems to absolutely love it there. Uh, they're also expected to re-sign Yadier Molina. So that's another guy coming back, another solid uh, bat in their lineup. Yadi had a good year last year as well. Uh, so this Nolan Arenado deal, I think that the, the uh, Cardinals won this deal 10 times out of 10. The fact that the Rockies are paying $50 million of Nolan Arenado's salary is absolutely mind-blowing and stupid. Also, they're the, the Cardinals' top prospects in Nolan Gorman and uh, Dylan Carlson, neither of them will be going to the Rockies. Uh, I think the Rockies are going to get Matthew Liberatore, uh top pitching prospect from the Cardinals, but he hasn't been mentioned in any of the trade talks, so... It hasn't been official yet on who's going to Colorado. If none of those three guys are going to Colorado, the the Cardinals just ran away with that trade, and I don't know what the Rockies were thinking. What what are you? What's going through your mind, boys? Robbery. I mean, if you just explain it, like it blows my mind. We we were kind of going through mock trades of what the White Sox would have to give up for Arenado. It was like all of our top prospects. It's it's mind blowing, and I, I I honestly have like. No idea, like what goes through when people talk like like this. Like, I I would love to just sit down and listen to like what what the two talk what the two sides were talking about. Um, it's it'd be very interesting because the Cardinals are 
They got a great deal. Um, and I know the, the Cubs fans are shaking in their boots right now because the Cardinals are going to look really, really good. Yes. Also, Arenado had a no-trade clause in his contract, which means that he wanted to come to St. Louis. So that's just another reason why I don't see him opting out after the next two seasons. I just don't understand how, I guess, similar to what you guys have already said, that there's a potential for their top three prospects to not be going to the Rockies, and the Rockies are all spending 50 mil of his deal. Like Again, like PT said, I'd love to sit in and hear the reasoning behind that. I wonder how Rockies fans feel, like, you know, because that's, if you're letting go of that big of a player, that good of a player, and you're still fronting a lot of his fucking contract as well as not getting much in return in terms of the prospect capital, like, what's the point? I, I, don't, I don't Maybe he just hated so much where they basically had to take whatever they were given. But here's the I, thing, I, though. It's, it's, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the St. Louis Cardinals. They are not afraid to give up young talent. They traded Luke Voigt to the Yankees, Randy Arena to the Tampa Bay Rays, Tommy Pham to the San Diego Padres. I mean, those are three big-time MLB players right now that they weren't afraid to trade. And they honestly, looking back at it, didn't get much for those three guys. Uh, I know, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't remember. But those three guys are huge in baseball right now, and the Cardinals just, you know, sent them away. The Rockies somehow couldn't talk them into sending someone of decent value. Obviously, the deal isn't finalized yet. The players going to the Rockies are not. Uh, finalized as well, but the rumors going around is that they're not going to be getting much, uh, like top 100 prospect wise. So interesting to see. Uh, the deal is most likely done, but Nolan Arenado is joining the NL Central with the St. Louis Cardinals. So absolutely crazy. Uh, great to see with the Cardinals too. It's always nice when the Cardinals are good. Uh, now the MLB proposal. So breaking news today. Kind of shocking after all the news that we heard about that MLB was starting on time, 162-game season, all the good stuff. Spring training was supposed to start on February 27th. Now, the MLB has proposed a new uh, proposal to the Players Union, which will, in my opinion, 100% be accepted, considering that they're going to be playing eight games less. So the proposal is 154 games with spring training starting on March 28th and the regular season starting on April 28th. Uh, so basically pushing it back a month. Uh, kind of interesting, but the players do get 100% pay, which is the big key right there. Last year, the season kept getting pushed back because players and the owners could not agree on a price range. I think playing eight games less and getting the same amount of money is all the the players are definitely up for it. Uh, also, DH across the all leagues, uh, which they said like a month ago that wasn't going to happen, so that probably screwed some people's uh, free agency. Also, we might see some uh, new some moves being made. I have a good feeling that Nelson Cruz might be going to the National League considering how his free agency has gone so far. He's one of those guys that definitely wanted to see what would happen. He's going to have a bunch of teams on him now. Also, extended playoffs again this year, except two less teams from last year. So they're going to have two extra teams. It's not going to be the four like last year. So we'll see how that plays out in the divisions, if it's going to be wild card teams. 
if it's going to be the two best second place finishes. We don't know. Everything's still up in the air. We won't know probably for a couple days uh, if the Players Union accepts it. But, boys, I know, Pat, you were kind of confused on the month pushback. What are we thinking here with this proposal? Two things. First off, I'm 100% fine with this proposal pushing back a couple of weeks. As long as our players are happy, they're getting paid 100%. And like Mahoney said, eight games is probably not going to really hurt anybody's feelings, especially if they're getting paid fully. Yeah. Um, second of all, this whole DH thing, I think this makes the Cubs look stupid once again. Um, I believe they had an excuse if they weren't going to have DHs in the NL. Um, but now they do. Yeah. So, why? once again, why did you guys not resign Schwarber? doesn't make any sense. Um, there's a lot of questions going to be floating around that and towards them, I believe. Um, but you know what? Hey, as long as the players are happy and there's baseball being played and the White Sox uh, will be competing for a World Series, you will not hear me complaining whatsoever. Yes. Also, with this proposal, uh, the postseason will carry into November with the World Series probably finishing in the second week of November. So I'm looking on Twitter right now, just kind of seeing some fan feedback from this news. and. One thing I want to point out is that, so it is delayed a month. With that being so, it would be, you're delaying it a month, but you're also adding on a week. So that would delay, or that would make it a 23-week season instead of 26. So you could be looking at a lot of double headers from that. From that. Now, granted, these are just random people on Twitter I'm reading these off of, and this dude's name is Padres 2022 World Series champ, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, another one, though, which I think is the big big point in this in this whole proposal is dealing with the fact with the, the pandemic right now. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people are saying that uh, they're not a fan of the expanded playoffs, but really the most important thing I think is they want to be able to get fans back in the stadiums. So pushing things back by a month uh, could lead to a fair amount of more people getting vaccines potentially and in terms of making it a little bit more safer to get fans in the stadium, which in turn leads to more profit. Um, and more generated revenues for the owners. So I think you have to weigh those in a lot in terms of what they're looking at here. It does suck that they will push into November. Obviously, it's always the World Series always we call the Fall Classic. Um, hopefully, you know, I'm, I, I don't hate it. I, it sucks we're going to have to wait an extra month, but I'm fine with it. If we can get some fans back in the stadium and the players are happy, I think the most important thing is the idea the players are getting paid their full 100% salary, which is good. Uh it's just I really hope I, I don't particularly care too much for the expanded playoffs, but granted that's how the Sox got in last season. But I, I really hope this expanded DH thing really sticks. I mean, it's like I don't understand why they're doing it simply for these seasons alone, but they're not considering it going when everything goes back to normal and running the DH and that. I don't really get it. Um, but we'll have to see. But I, I really hope that uh, they do kind of begin to seriously consider making it a universal thing instead of not just these uh, these scuff seasons. But hey, we're gonna have baseball back. Potentially have more fans in the stadium. Players are gonna be getting paid their full amount. Um, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some more news, some signings. Uh, Carlos Rodon is back with the White Sox on a one-year, three million dollar deal. I, I I am not a I'm a fan of the signing, just it depends how the White Sox use him. Uh, the way that they're talking about it right now is that he's going to be our fifth or sixth starter at the beginning of the year because we need to give Kopech time to really get back to his form considering he hasn't played in almost two full seasons. Uh, also with uh, Dylan Cease is kind of a question mark on what he'll do. I know he has 
done a lot of work this offseason. So Carlos Rodon is just kind of like a safety blanket right now. And on a one-year, $3 million deal, I mean, why not, right? I don't see the big problem with it. Uh, There are some reports coming out that last season when Carlos Rodon was throwing for scouts that they said that he looked really bad. When he threw for scouts this year, they said he he looked a lot better. So take it as you will. Uh, We'll see how he does in front of actual batters when the season starts. Uh, But our number three pick is back from 2011, I want to say. But he's back. So how are you boys feeling about Carlos Rodon being back? I saw some interesting faces. Yeah, so I honestly don't hate it um, for your reasons right there, Mahoney. Um, We're going to need some spot starts from some people this year um, with kind of our back and being um, not so healthy. And if he can be healthy, that definitely will help us with some spot starts here and there. And also they need to use him correctly. Um, and honestly, is there any possibility that they throw him in the bullpen at all? You know, this is like coming out for maybe long relief if someone kind of gets shelled right away. I could see him something. being like the extra guy on a doubleheader day for sure. Yeah, I definitely, definitely think that could be, he could be used as a utility guy within the bullpen or even the starting rotation. Um, I don't hate it. Um, we'll see what happens. I just kind of hope he stays healthy because that's kind of been his issue. Um, and he, he, he's been, his family loves Chicago. He loves Chicago. So, um, Love the guy all, so there you go. It's no secret I've never been a fan of Carlos Rodon. Um, I've made that point known a lot on this podcast. Uh, Brandon texted me that the other morning, wasn't too happy about it. But, um, no, you were not. You guys make good points. You guys make good points in terms of him you know, coming in to be a situational type pitcher where he's going to be coming in to kind of help out Kopech and give him a little bit of time to come up from the minors as well as potentially using him in some spotty roles in terms of double headers, which is something you now need to really factor in because of this new proposed season. So even though I'm not the biggest fan of him, uh, I'm, I'm always for eating my own words and, you know, the player uh, proving me wrong. So I'm totally fine with that. And I hope he, I hope he does do well for the Sox. He fills into the role that we need him to. Um, but yeah, that's all I really got. There's no secret I don't like him, but I'm not going to complain about his presence on the team. Yeah, uh, kind of another good uh, guy that's been around the White Sox for a while, kind of knows uh, a lot about the organization. Other signing news, the Chicago Cubs have signed Trevor Williams, a starting pitcher who will probably, on any other team, probably would be a five or in the minor leagues. Uh, For the Cubs, he'll probably be the three or four starting pitcher. Kind of some numbers to throw at you here. In 2020, he had a 6.1 ERA. 2019, he had a 5.3. In 2018 and 2017, he had a 3.11 and a 4.0. So he had some good years in the past. Trying to kind of rekindle that. I know he's struggled with injuries the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens with Trevor Williams. Uh, kind of an interesting signing. The Cubs have been signing a lot of like these low-tier guys to one-year deals. So we'll see what happens with the Cubs if they are going to use these guys for winning the division or if they're going to be traded down the line. Uh, we'll see. Before we move on to hockey, basketball, and all that good stuff, I do want to highlight some of the top players that are still on the free agency market because things are definitely going to start speeding up now that we found out that the NL will have a DH as well. Uh, We have Trevor Bauer, Marcelo Zuna, Justin Turner, Jackie Bradley Jr., James Paxton, 
Yeah, uh, Brett Gardner, Jake Odorizzi, and Taiwan Walker is uh, kind of at the top of the pact of free agents. Will the White Sox be signing any of these guys? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, it would be nice to add one more piece to either the bullpen or the lineup, or why not both? Uh, we have the money to do it, so it's just time for Jerry to open up the pocket and kind of spend a little bit more money. I know that we have spent a decent amount this offseason, but it would be nice to spend a little bit more. So that does it with baseball. Pat, if you want to take over hockey, go right ahead. Yeah, so there's been a lot of chaotic times for the Hawks lately. Um, we did place, uh, did face the Black, Blue Jackets uh, two nights ago. Where we did suffer a 2-1 to one loss to them, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, yesterday during our off day, so we're recording this on Sunday, the Blackhawks were off on Saturday. They canceled their practice out of an abundance of caution due, due to a potential exposure of COVID-19. At the time, we just had Boquist. Uh, Alex Brinkett and Lucas Walmark on the COVID-19 list that has since grown to adding Nicholas Bodan as well as Ryan Carpenter. Um, there was a lot of question marks as if the game that's being played on Sunday, which is tonight, would we even be played at all? And right now it looks like that game is a go. So it was a little bit scary at the time. A lot of people were thinking that, you know, obviously the Hurricanes had a really rough go with COVID. The Dallas Stars did as well. Um, so I'm happy to see that it looks like everything's okay. We only lost two more guys. We wish, obviously wish those five guys in the COVID list the best of luck and hopefully they return uh, safe and, uh, and healthy and ready to go. So we do go on tonight against game two against Columbus. Kevin Lankin will be starting in goal once again after another phenomenal performance in game one against Columbus. We're looking at Reese Johnson and Matthew Highmore stepping in for Bodan and Ryan Carpenter. Uh, Highmore is a guy that I absolutely love. I absolutely love his presence on that fourth line. Hopefully he makes up some room there. But let's kind of go back and recap uh, that first loss to the, the Blue Jackets. And other, you know, it honestly just came down to us not being able to generate a lot of offense, um, which is it's going like to be a pretty bad recurring theme uh, for this team the whole season. Lincoln had faced 27 shots, which is, hey, that's a positive. You know, we were facing 40 shots the past two nights against Nashville. We faced 27. Uh, game one against the Blue Jackets, where Lincoln had saved 25. Dylan Strome was our lone scorer from that for that night uh, with Kubelik and Kane giving the the assist on that. Hawks did have 32 shots on that. Uh, Corpusello did have a hell of a hell of a night, and I can't I can't take anything away from him. He's also a Finn, so it was kind of a battle of the Finns in terms of both our goaltenders. Um, Bjorkstrand and uh, Robinson were the lone or the two goal scorers for the Blue Jackets. Now I do say we didn't generate a lot of offense and. I mean, yes, the the uh, the shots on net was at 32. Just it didn't feel like we were generating a lot of potential offense or be able to being able to generate a lot of high high scoring chances. So we'll have to see. Uh, we go like so we go again tonight against the Blue Jackets. I would like to see us walk away with some points here. Um, we're currently on a three game losing streak, but we one of those two of those three losses have been we've been getting points. So at the end of the day. We are seeing seventh in the central. We're seeing a two, four, and three. So we are getting points in terms of these losses, except for this last game. Um, this is definitely a positive you have to look at with this team. But uh, we'll have to see how things go. But we're going against uh, Columbus again tonight. And I believe after that, um, we are looking at going against Carolina, which is a team that did have COVID issues to start off the season. And uh, they've been they've been flying pretty high right now. Uh, they're four one and zero, and they're fifth in the central right now. And they're going to be a very good team to go up against. What do you guys got on the Hawks? Uh, one thing I do want to point out: they had they scored another power play goal 
which was great to see uh, this season. The power plays really spun around. The Blue Jackets did also score a power play goal. Uh, so take what you will from that. But the Hawks, like you said, Pat, just trouble generating offense. Uh, Lincoln looked very good again. Let's see how he does tonight. Let's see if he stays hot. It'd be great to see uh, Lincoln continue his success for this season. So that's all I got for the Hawks. But it, it definitely some improving points that the Hawks could uh, improve on. Yeah, uh, we'll hop over to uh, PT's hit corner twenty-one to f- or twenty-one to fourteen. Um, it's always a good sign to see that. Um, as long as they're being physical, like I said, we'll we'll kind of come up with those loose puck loose loose pucks hopefully. Um, and another thing too is we're not giving up five goals a game. Um, so as long as we're keeping it low, I think it gives our opportunity kind of for our not as high powered offense, uh, but it definitely helps out a lot. Our goal is just starting to turn it around. And I'm really happy for that. So it's good to see. Um, and I guess just keep the goals low tonight and hopefully our offense can generate some, uh, some goals. Yeah. To kind of wrap up the NHL for us today, I do want to mention Connor McDavid. I'm not sure if you guys saw this on Twitter the other night, he was playing up against, uh, I believe it was Toronto and, just, he had the puck behind his own goaltender and took it the whole length of the ice, just dangled past everybody and buried one home. I mean, it, whether you're a Hawks fan, no matter if you give two shits about hockey, you guys have to realize what we're watching in terms of what Connor McDavid is doing. He's going to go down as one of the greatest, greatest ever play. Um, obviously, he's never going to be Wayne Gretzky, but obviously for the Oilers, he's trying to fulfill that, kind of step into that sh- those shoes there. Uh, absolutely stellar of a goal. And talking about Wayne Kresge, once again, I had to give him a shout-out. He was uh, cited again over the weekend. I believe he just turned 60. And he's cited wearing the – this. I don't know if you guys saw his hoodie, but it was it was another OVO uh, hoodie collaboration with Drake. And it's got the – on the owl, it's got the Canadian flag over its one, like, wing. Guys, I mean, this dude is 60 years old. He's the greatest hockey player to ever play. And he's able to pull off this look and just look dapper as shit, guys. Like you can't. You got. You gotta love it when you see stuff like this. Definitely. Oh yeah. So that's what we got for the NHL. Let's kind of jump into the NBA. We got the Hawks. Uh, so uh, excuse me, the Bulls. So let's get into the Bulls a little bit. Let's Fuck. let's kind of take a step back. And so we we've, we've lost two straight, and we were playing the Trailblazers last night. I believe the. The Bulls were down quite a, a fair amount. I think they were down 20-plus. Yep. At halftime. Yeah. Again, another game where the Bulls are down big at half, and Billy Domingue rallies the troops and going into the second half. And the Bulls had the game locked up, boys, but game time shows up in the, in the clutch, and he buried a three in our faces to win the game. Also a and bad call Billy, on that jump ball at the end of the game, though. That is true. That is true. Billy Donovan did come out and say that that was the hardest loss that they've faced all year. Um, it was just absolutely gut-wrenching. It was absolute gut punch. And three losses in a row, and they've all been heartbreakers. Uh, they have not all have been heartbreakers, but especially that last one. Mm-hmm. We were trying to bounce back. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest talking point right here, is how desperately we're missing Wendell Carter. Yes, very true. Uh, Wendell's just a huge part of our offense, uh, getting those second chance rebounds as well. Uh, kind of hurts that he's not around, but we just got to deal with it. Uh, just got to move on. I know he'll be back in three weeks, I think at this point. So it'll be nice when he comes back, but for now we just got to keep on chugging along. Yeah, we're in a skid right now. And I think what we kind of have to do is just kind of hope this team takes those licks and 
bounce back. You know, it's eventually going to work out for them, um, and they'll be they'll be they'll bounce back. I'm not too worried about it. We are going to have these skids throughout the year, um, but I, I just got to be able to bounce back and kind of. I think Billy Donovan is going to do a, is going to continue to kind of encourage these guys to keep on going and not give up. And I think that's something we saw from the Bulls this year is they they don't get down, um, and we've seen it in the past couple of games as well. Yeah, and I do want to highlight the stat line from that Portland game last night. Uh, and it's really just this represents how much we are missing uh, Wendell Carter. We had Laurie Markman with 31 and 6, Patrick Williams with 1, 11 and 1, uh, Zach Levine with 26, 7 and 4, Kobe White with 23 and 6. That's our four guys are there in the starting lineup. We go to Daniel Gafford, who's filling in for Wendell Carter, and he had four points, five rebounds, and 10 minutes played. Thaddeus Young came off the bench with 28 minutes, and he had eight points. 11 rebounds and 11 assists. So Wendell Carter, it's pretty notable in that stat line that they are missing him dearly. So uh, do we have uh, anything else on the Bulls? Or we Okay, yeah, I actually do. I want to talk one more thing. Is it time to hit the panic button? Like, is it time to start freaking out about this team, potentially start, like, seriously considering throwing in Zach Levine trades? Or are we just kind of like, we, we trust in Billy Donovan right now, and we're going to kind of hunker down and kind of go through this rough spot? I mean, I, I'm still for trading Zach Levine. Uh, I've never shied away from that. Panic button, no. We can't expect much from this team, especially with Wendell Carter being out. Uh, so no panic button. Uh, none at all. Uh, definitely, maybe in like three or four seasons we can start thinking about hitting the panic button. But for the next season or two, don't even worry about it. Just enjoy watching Bulls basketball. Enjoy watching the young talent. Uh, and again, with Zach Levine, I'm for a trade. I will be until his contract is up. So, yeah, that's what I got for the Bulls. I think the only time Bulls fans should be concerned and start to push the panic button is if the UC burns down. Um, we knew this was going to happen. That We knew we were going to have some rough patches this season. Um, and you're playing – I mean, you're losing – what can you expect when you're playing Damian Lillard? He's going he's gonna to go off. People are going to make clutch shots against you guys, and there's going to be heartbreakers of the season. I think it's almost a positive look at that we're actually winning or we're, we're playing in games where we're getting heartbroken because in the past couple of seasons, we were like 20, 20 points down going to the floor, turn the, turn the game off. It's over. So don't hit the panic button. We're fine. But always, the Bulls should never t- – shy away from a possible trade for Zach Levine. Don't, they, sh- they should never kind of ignore anything like that. They always should be listening um, and see what they can get for him for sure. Yeah. Uh, it was just, I, I wanted to ask that just because it seemed like a lot of people, a lot of Bulls fans on social media were freaking out after that tough loss. Um, we obviously have dropped three straight and people were kind of losing it, but you do have to recognize what is going on with this team right now in the stage we're in, in terms of kind of re-sculpting our entire, our entire lineup. So that kind of ends it for the Bulls. In terms of college football, it really isn't got, we don't got much to talk about, so we're going to jump into college basketball. Uh, so I want to hit on two key points before I, I give the floor to PT. So we were looking at a lot of losses from some big, some big time schools uh, over the past week in college basketball, Virginia, Kansas, Florida state, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and Alabama all lost, which and is, you can put Iowa on that list too, Pat. That's true. You can put Iowa on that list as well. Um, a lot of those losses are kind of filing in from 10 to 25. Uh, you're not seeing too much within the top 10. I mean, that 10 through 25 area is an absolute free-for-all. And that's what I think I really like about this. And I feel like it. I feel like it's always been a free-for-all over the past couple of years. 
but it hasn't been as notable as it has been this year. I'm not really sure why. I think it's because there's you have so you have your powerhouses in terms of Baylor, Zaga, and Villanova and Texas in the top four, and the rest of the way is kind of pretty. I wouldn't say iffy, but we're kind of it's kind of hit or miss. I mean, these guys are really really well played teams. They really just haven't kind of caught their their entire wind yet. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see many big name schools in the top 25 get uh, taken out. And then we do have to mention Duke before I let uh, PT take things over. Coach K, we ripped into him last week, and him just absolutely just like going after this kid's throat for a well asked question in their post game uh, interview after a tough loss to Louisville. Coach K did, did come out and say he did get in contact with the reporter. He did apologize. Um, at the end of the day, he Coach K still said what he said. Um, I I respect him going out and, and making that apology. But at the end of the day, you still wanted a kid's throw for no damn reason. You know, you were pissed because your team lost, uh, and you're going to take it out on a, on a college kid who's just trying to chase the dream in terms of being a, a sports reporter. So I respect the apology, but also it was still a scummy move. What do you guys got? Uh, I'm just, I mean, I'm happy he apologized, knew that he was in a wrong. Apology's not going to do much for the people, though. Uh, he's still a D-bag for what he did. Uh, there's no changing that. Just because you lost the game doesn't mean that you have to take it out on one of your students. Uh, so that, that's all I got with that. Just a very disappointing look for Duke, for sure. Um, just hopping right back to that kind of 10 through 25 range. I think it's a great point on pass part. It's, it's a fucking bloodbath, boys. And I love it. It's so interesting. Everyone's bouncing around. It's not set in stone. Anyone can be in that top 25 right now. Um, and basketball, college basketball is just great to watch. There's so many good games every single night. Um, the one team I do want to start to see in that top 25 is Drake. Um, it's kind of close to us and kind of close to home. Um, they are an absolute wagon. They have covered every single game this year. So if you guys are looking into betting, definitely take a look at Duke, or Drake because they are a wagon, boys. They are great, and they should be in that top 25 pretty soon. I'm going to cut you short there, PT, because I do got to brag about this. Uh, Drake was facing my Illinois State Redbirds today in the Missouri Valley Conference. Drake was favored minus 18 and a half. ISU pushed him overtime. ISU lost by two, 78-76. So that Shout coverage out does not hit anymore. My Redbirds, my Redbirds put up a fucking fight. From when we'll get the stat line right now. Um, the Redbirds have been a little bit shaky this year. But uh, I was kind of paying attention to it as we were going through this episode, and I was kind of pissed to see that they lost. They did force overtime, and the Redbirds did cover the spread. Well, I take that back. So they are like they've, they've lost one where they haven't covered the spread. Still keep an eye on them. They're really good. Um, so they should be in that top twenty-five soon. Um, and you know, I, I, I think here's my thing: is Coach K's apology actually did do something for me because, as you guys know, I went off on him and I was very angry about it. Um, not a big fan of Duke, but in my head, I didn't think he was going to say anything. I didn't think I think he was just going to just blow past him. Um, and I do give him credit for apologizing uh, because it was needed and he was extremely rude. Um, but I do give him credit for that. I, I really appreciate him coming out and apologizing. Um, says a little bit about himself, even though he, he still kind of rubs me as a douchebag, but not as much anymore. If you guys don't know anything about those two points, I'm going to hop into Illinois real quick. Um, this game I've always looked forward to every single year. Um, if you guys don't, I live in uh, the Quad Cities around the border of Iowa and Illinois. I'm an Illinois fan, obviously, um, and I have a lot of Iowa fans um, that I'm friends with. And this game is always big game of the year. Everyone's partying. Everyone's wanting to 
looking to see who's going to win this game. Um, and it was, it lived up to its standards. I mean, it was close the whole game. Um, everyone played pretty damn well throughout the, uh, throughout the game. And my, I give my player of the game uh, to Trent Frazier. You know, he has kind of been struggling this, this, this year and even kind of last year. Um, he's supposed to be the guy that makes those threes and he just hasn't been falling. Um, and he definitely came out this game and I think he dropped like 24 points. Uh, he was kind of a big, big, big guy that we needed in this win. Um, and I'm very proud. I was very excited to see that Illinois came through and won. Uh, we needed it really, really bad because we lost some games that we probably even should have won or been closer in. Uh, but this is the Big Ten. Uh, anyone can win at any time. Um, and I'm just super proud of it. I'm super proud to be an Illinois fan today. And I was I was so excited that night. It was great. I think if you guys know anything on that game, um, we'll move to one talking point I want to talk about real quick. Um, I don't know if it was Scott Van Pelt, but it was someone on ESPN talking about the struggles that Duke, Kentucky, even Michigan State have been having this year. Um, and he made a really good point. And he thinks – he said something about um, in the realm that the reason they might be struggling this year is, yeah, Duke's had some injuries and so and Kentucky's kind of been way down. Um, but these, these teams are known for having great fans, crazy places to play at home. Um, and he was saying that this is kind of one of the reasons why they think they ha- they're having their down years right now. What do you guys think on that point? And I'll kind of get share my, my thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's especially important for college athletes. I think college athletes really feed off of the crowd even more than professional athletes, unless if it's like the playoffs for any of the professional sports. Uh, but having no fans is huge. I've actually, I've actually never even thought of it that way. It's definitely a possibility. I mean, if you're playing, if you're a point guard and you're, the crowd's rocking and shit's going down and you bang a three in somebody's face, you're on for the rest of the game. I mean, there's no other greater feeling than that. So and it is definitely a huge uh, downfall to some of these teams this year with no fans. Uh, I like the take. I think it's a very uh, possible take that these could be why these teams are struggling so much. Uh, but, yeah, we need the fans back. I know – for baseball, for example, there are some rumors that there will be fans this year. Uh, I know with the Cubs, so they've been sending out some uh, stuff for fans uh, for coming to games and stuff. So hopefully next season for college basketball, college sports, we get to see fans back. Yeah, I think it's definitely a valid take as well. You do need to weigh in the the impact that the fan base does have in those in those stadiums, especially those college stadiums where they're not that big. Um, and they're packed to the brim, especially for teams like Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Louisville, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, really, the fans play a huge role in the momentum of those games. I mean, if you're a home team and you're down, you know, say 10 points, and then you have a two-minute stretch where you push it within two or three, and you get the crowd involved, and you're forcing the opposing team to take a timeout to kind of get everybody, everybody to calm down, that's a huge impact on those college basketball games. So I definitely think it's a valid take to – to take into consideration about all this stuff. Do I think it is the, the sole reason why that these teams are struggling? No. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if teams like Duke and Kentucky are trying to use that as their way of saying, like, their cop-out, basically, to kind of, that's what they're bailing, or that's what they're kind of saying is what why they suck this year. Um, no, it's definitely, it's college basketball is not the same. And I, I want to tell you this now, March Madness is not going to be the same either. I want to say this too, March Madness is only one month away, which is kind of awesome to think about. Uh, March Madness will not be the same without fans, and uh, you do have to weigh that into consideration. 
but you know, at the end of the day that you have to, you're playing through unprecedented times right now and you, you kind of have to adapt to those situations. And this is a great environment for underdogs to kind of take advantage. Um, if you have guys like, you know, like Illinois State today going to a, a Drake team at Drake, you know, if the fans are there, Illinois State might not even be in this game, but you don't have anything, you know, you don't have any outside influences to worry about. You go out there and play your game. Any team can compete with anybody essentially. So I think it's a definitely a very valid take to have. Yeah, definitely. And it'll bring an interesting point to March Madness this upcoming, uh, like Pat said, one month away. We do, before we wrap up the podcast, I do want to give a happy birthday shout out to Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks. Today is his birthday, as well as Jackie Robinson and Nolan Ryan. Crazy that three MLB first ballot Hall of Famers all have their birthday today. Uh, Ernie Banks was a huge uh, leader for the Cubs and making the Cubs become such a successful organization and having so many fans that they do have throughout the country. So we give a happy birthday to Mr. Cub. Jackie Robinson, of course, doesn't need to go on set of how many things he's done for the game of baseball and how many uh, steps that he gave for other players uh, in the league. Also, Nolan Ryan, I mean, fireball pitcher. Most known in Chicago for beating the shit out of Robin Ventura when he was like 42 years old. So shout out to Nolan Ryan. Shout out to Robin Ventura as well. Why not? Uh, So before we do wrap up again, uh, there's a couple breaking news uh, baseball-wise that have come out uh, regarding the AL Central and the Chicago White Sox. Uh, With the reports coming out that there will be a DH in the NL uh, the Braves and the Dodgers are supposedly in the lead for uh, Nelson Cruz. Imagine adding Nelson Cruz to that Dodgers lineup. Uh, that'd be cr- unbelievable. Uh, they would be definitely favorites once again to win the World Series. Uh, so Nelson Cruz has got a lot of teams on his plate. Also, Mike Fultonevich, uh, who was a pitcher for the Braves the last couple of seasons, had an outstanding 2018 season then saw some injuries and really struggled in 2019 and 2020. Uh, reports are coming out that the Cubs, or the Cubs, the White Sox are very interested in Mike Fultonevich as a free agent starting pitcher. He threw at Georgia Tech this past week and looked very good. Uh, my only concern is when he was at his prime in 2018, he was throwing 97 to 98 miles an hour as a starting pitcher. When he was throwing at Georgia Tech, he was 91 to 92. Kind of a uh, little worrisome to be down that much uh velo wise only after two short seasons i know he again the injury bug maybe he's got some movement on his pitches but the white Sox, mets twins and rays are in on mike fulton so just something for us white Sox fans to keep an eye on do you guys have anything else to add on those moves all right so that does it for this episode of the cloudgate sports weekly podcast uh thank you guys for listening Make sure to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the good places. Make sure to also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your listening needs. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer!
15 to the 20, breaks 